Praise you, God. We, we thank you for calling us to yourself, Lord God, to rest in you, to remain in you, to abide in you, Lord God. We thank you for coming as well and abiding with us, dwelling with us, Lord God, living God. We thank you. We ask for you to uh, just continue to work in us this morning, Lord God. Soften our hearts, uh, open our ears to hear your voice, living God. Uh, open our eyes to see what you want us to see today. We invite you here. We ask you to bless us with your presence more and more this morning. Amen. All right. Go ahead and take a seat. And thank you, guys. Got like a, a whole troop up there. I like it. All right. We... Uh, I gave you a little Bible trivia question. There's a purpose for it today, but uh, the question was, how many people in Jesus' earthly ministry, that three and a half year time, uh, did he heal who were blind? And um, I heard uh, the consensus in our group was four people. Um, raise your hand if you think it was less, four or less. Raise your hand. All right, four or less. Uh, how about five and above? All right. All right, we got a vote back there as well. Five and above counted. All right, the official tally uh, is seven unique highlighted uh, people who were blind and whom Jesus healed uh, in his earthly ministry. And then we also have two descriptions of him healing blind people in the crowd. So we don't know how many there were there. So at least seven, uh, at least let's say eight or nine, but probably more there. And then there was one latecomer to the party who's, Paul, you got it, right? Uh, on the road to Damascus, after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus appeared and uh, through Ananias was healed of his blindness. All right. Now, this is uh, not just a coincidence. This is uh, actually a fundamental thing about Jesus being the Messiah. The, the prophets pointed to a Messiah who would do this very thing as a sign. He would open the eyes of the blind, you can look at Isaiah 61 for that. And we don't have this miracle recorded in scripture uh, being accomplished by anyone else. Um, so Jesus healed people, right? He healed people physically. But this was always pointing to a deeper spiritual happening, a deeper spiritual healing. The situation is without Jesus, apart from him, we are spiritually deaf. Without Jesus, you and I, people, everyone is spiritually disabled, meaning we can't walk with God without him. Without Jesus, you and I are spiritually oppressed. We may not know it or not, um, but outside forces are affecting us. And if God doesn't open your eyes spiritually, then you are not able to see what he wants to reveal to you and what he has revealed. We need him to open our eyes. We need him to open our ears, our hearts. We need him to free us from the oppression that blocks us from receiving what he has for us. So today we're going to see what Jesus has revealed about what is to come. So God speaks. God has spoken about what he has done, what he's doing, what he will do. God has revealed who he is. But we're blind unless enabled by Christ to see. So we ask him to show us 
as we look at his word, what he wants to tell us about uh, his coming. Now, we started this last Sunday. We talked about when Jesus comes, right? Uh, we, we looked at uh, Matthew 24. Today, we're going to turn to Matthew 25 because he's just continuing on this theme about his return. Let's see what he wants us to see here. Matthew 25, you ready? It's in your bulletin. It's up here. And if you're online, it's, it's on the screen there as well. Okay, Matthew 25. Listen up. Try to picture what's going on here. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, okay, so he's pointing again to his future return. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Okay, this is, this is a recap of last week, right? Now, just to catch us up, who is the Son of Man? And that, that's Jesus' most common way of referring to himself. It's a messianic title from Daniel 7, 13 through 14. All right, Jesus is talking about his future return. Now, how will Jesus come? What did he say there? Is he going to come in humility? On a don in glory with his angels. And we saw last week that it's, it's not going to be something you're going to miss. It's going to be like lightning filling the sky from east to west. It will be unmistakable. You won't have to wonder, hey, was that really him or not? We will know. He's going to come in power, enthroned, visible for all to see. Now, last week, when is Jesus returning? Come on, someone was here last week. Come on. We don't know, right? But unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. So, what was the takeaway from last week? Oh, I didn't hear it, but I'll pretend I heard. Be ready, right? The, the question was, are you ready? Are you ready for his return? Now, it may be when he comes visibly in the sky. It might be when, you know, you go to be with him. But are you ready? All right, we wrestled with that this last week. Now, new question. Uh, when Jesus returns, what will he do? And that's what we're going to hear from him starting in verse 32. What will he do when he returns? Listen up. All the nations, he says, will be gathered before him. The Son of Man coming in glory. Will be gathered before him. All the nations... And he will separate the people, all the nations gathered before him, he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. All right? All the nations will be gathered before him. Now, who's all the nations? Who is that? Uh, sounds like everyone. Yes, everyone. Okay. And what's Jesus going to do? This is your first fill-in. This is the first big thing he's going to be doing. When Jesus returns, he will separate everyone into two groups. Like a shepherd. Any shepherds here? Maybe. Okay. Uh, like a shepherd. It's a little uh, simile. A uh, shepherd separates sheep from goats. So in the Middle East, you can go there and you can see oftentimes sheep and goats are grazed together. They're herded together. And there's times where the shepherd needs to separate the sheep from the goats. 
And um, it's, it's a little bit confusing because when you look at them, this is true in the Middle East, not so much maybe. The, don't think of those big fluffy sheep in Europe, but in the Middle East, they're, they're kind of skinnier, scrawnier sheep. And the sheep and the goats look very similar from the outside, um, but sometimes they need to be separated. And um, they're, so again, think of that. They look similar, but they're different. And sometimes they are separated. Now, sheep is a common way of God referring to his people. He does that often in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament as well. And the right side is a side of favor, uh, left side disfavor. All right, so what are we talking about here? What's Jesus giving us a picture of? What is the day that Jesus is describing here? Next film. This is, listen, this is the day of judgment. The day of judgment. Old Testament points to it. Jesus talks about it. New Testament talks about it. Church doesn't like talking about it so much, but it's God's word. He wants us to know what's going to happen, so we're ready. Okay? This is the day of judgment. Now, right now, all people are mixed together all over the earth. We're all mixed together. Right? We're all grazing together. Um, and when Jesus returns, he's going to separate his people out from everyone else. It's the big separation. So one of the primary things to think about on the Day of Judgment is a separation. Now this separation, although it doesn't look like it visibly on appearances, outwardly, uh, already exists. There already is a separation. Sometimes it's hard to tell the sheep from the goats, but there is this distinction. There are those who are with God in relationship with him, indwelled by him and dwelling in him, and those who are not. But this, uh, this distinction, which isn't so readily apparent today, is going to be made clear and permanent when Jesus returns. This is what the Son of Man will do when he returns. This is the day of judgment. And then who is the judge? Right? Who is this judge? Next fill-in. This is good to know. The judge that you, me, all people everywhere, all nations on the earth, past, present, future, will face is Jesus. Jesus is the judge. Jesus is it. He's the one who will, who's been entrusted all judgment. It's coming. It's coming. Do you know when? Are you ready? Are you ready to face Jesus? What's your relationship with Jesus like? Verse 34, Jesus continues, Then the king, so the son of man, Jesus is referring to himself as the son of man, and here the king, then the king enthroned will say to those on his right, Listen, listen to Jesus' judgment to those who are on his right. Come, come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Yes, yes, let me be part of that group. I want to be part of that group. Yes, Lord. It's coming. That day of separation is coming. The time when we will come into the fullness of God's kingdom is coming. Your inheritance is prepared and waiting for you. 
the inheritance you will come into. What is this inheritance? He calls it the kingdom. Okay? This kingdom prepared from the beginning of creation. God had this in mind. God's been preparing this from the beginning of creation. Now, from other passages, we know that the inheritance, your inheritance, is this kingdom. And this kingdom includes what? What, think, what are some things that this kingdom, this inheritance that is yours, that you will come into, what does it include? Tree of life. What does that taste like? That's going to be extraordinary. Give me some of that tree of life. I'm going to be fighting Jane, get in front of her. I don't know, maybe I won't be so selfish back in the, that time. That leads to the next one. Yeah, that, that sin nature in us, that, that sin tendency in each of us will be completely uprooted. We might not recognize each other. We get new imperishable, imperishable bodies. Anybody ready for that? Yeah, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Bring it. Bring it. This new imperishable body untouched by the curse or decay. What else? What's Life eternal with God and his people from all over the world, all through the ages, those who are in relationship with God. We have access to the tree of life. We're going to have access to the river of life. Revelation 22. All the good that you experience that you enjoy, that you love, this side of heaven. It, the good that you experience, that you're looking forward to in your life, amplified without the taint of sin, your own sin, the sin of others, untouched by attitudes, sinful actions, um, the stuff that ruins things. All right, that's the inheritance to come. Now, here's an important question. If you're like, yeah, I feel, I feel like, I think I'm on the right side here. I think I'm one of his sheep. Here's a question. What qualified you to be on God's right side? And listen up. If you don't know where you're going to be, listen to this important question. What qualifies you to be on God's right side, his side of favor, the side of receiving his blessing and this kingdom? What did you do? What did you do to get in that position? What's the message of Jesus from Matthew to Revelation? Number one, you recognize, we could say God opened your eyes to recognize your need for God's salvation. Your need for it. I'm not in right standing with God. I am distant and separated from God. I want to be united to him. I want to be reconciled. I want to be close. I have this sin problem. What do I do about this? I need your mercy, Lord. Lord, have mercy on me. I need your salvation. That's number one. You recognize your need for God's salvation. Number two, you heard about, somewhere around the, uh, along the line, you heard about and put your trust in Jesus' work on the cross for your salvation. This is huge. It's not what you did. So often when... Uh, Domingo and I went out this week, but when we go out and talk to people, trying to engage in spiritual conversations and talk about God with people around here, uh, often we get to this point of, hey, when you die, what's going to happen to you? That's one of the questions we ask. And oftentimes, well, hopefully I was good enough. Hopefully there is a heaven. 
It's common. It's, it's just like the default answer. It's not the gospel. You're not good enough. You can't do enough. The good news gospel is that God has done it for you. God did for you in the flesh what you could not do for yourself. He removed the obstacle. He reconciled you to God. He enabled you to see your need for him. And he opened your ears to hear and receive the message. So number two, you heard about and put your trust in Jesus' work, not my work, not my track record, in Jesus' work on the cross for my salvation. And that, number three, led to this. Number three, the third fill-in. That put you, as soon as you said, yeah, I need that. Thank you, Jesus. I want it. That put you in right standing with God. That's what did it. You didn't do much. You just said, yes, thank you. you. That put you in right standing with God. And now, if you're in right relationship with him, if you're in, if you've been reconciled, now you are learning, you and I are learning to live in right relationship with him, to align our lives with him, to trust him, to obey him as Lord and King. We're growing in that. We're, we're learning to take off old sinful ways and put on new righteous ways of living that line up with him and his word. That's the process we're in right now. And this last thing, number three, is what Jesus is going to highlight in the rest of this section, Matthew 25. Let's rewind first. Jesus just said to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now here's the reason Jesus highlights, speaking to those on his right, the blessed. He says, for I, Jesus, I, listen, surprising, was hungry. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was, a and you clothed me. I was sick. And you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. Then the righteous, those in right standing with God, those who've been blessed by the Father, the sheep, those will answer him, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? I don't remember that. Or, or thirsty and give you something to drink. When did we see you, Lord, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? When did we do that? The king, in his glory, will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Wow. Whenever you, brothers and sisters, welcomed another brother or sister who is a stranger, when you welcomed them in, you were welcoming Jesus. Jesus is saying, whenever you visited me when I was sick or in prison, when I was forgotten, you visited me. 
whenever you do or did something kind, thoughtful, went out of your way for one of these brothers and sisters of mine that I died for, that I love, you did it for me. To love, to care for, to bless, to serve, to welcome. Anyone who is in Jesus is to welcome Jesus the King. Jesus so identifies with that brother or sister next to you, around you, here, far away. He so identifies with his people that to bless one of his people is to bless him. To treat a brother or sister of Christ is to, is to treat Christ well. Let's capture this, man. Next fill-in, to bless a brother or sister in Christ, here, there, far away, is to bless Jesus, the King. The King who will come, the King who will judge, the, the King who you will see face to face. The opposite is true. When you or I mistreat a brother or sister of Christ, we are mistreating Christ. When we neglect a brother or sister in Christ, we are neglecting Christ. When we speak ill of, slander, gossip about, tear down another brother or sister in Christ, it's, it's an attack against Jesus. When I avoid a brother or sister in Christ, I am avoiding Jesus. Jesus loves the person next to you so much. One, he died for them. That's a lot. And more, he's actually present. This is not just like a, a technique. This is Jesus actually present in the person who is in Christ, who is next to you. Jesus is inside them, with them. I don't always see you that way. I forget. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding us who we are, who our brother or sister next to us is. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding us that you are present with us, among us, inside us right now. To welcome, serve, help, or bless a brother and sister in Christ is to welcome, serve, help, or bless Jesus who is in them. Wow. Now, if you've been hearing this, and this is just an aside, if you've been hearing this and you've been thinking, yeah, wow, man, people don't treat me like that. I, people don't treat me like Jesus. I feel neglected. I feel avoided. I feel, you know, when do people take care of me? If you're feeling that way, listen, I'm not, you're not hearing what Jesus is saying. I may sound a little harsh, but listen, this is not about how people treat you. We, we fail each other. We're flawed. All right? Morning, or treated you this week. This is about how you treat your brother or sister in Christ. Yeah, but they were, man, they gave me a hard time. I had to, you know. No. Jesus is calling you and me upward to be like him, to love and sacrifice for and bless one another, others, like he's blessed us. That's the call. That's the high challenge. High invite. Everybody's invited to this. 
High call. Wouldn't that be rich, man? If we loved each other here more and more, I think we'd do a pretty good job. But if we loved each other like we love Jesus, if we welcomed each other like we would have welcomed Jesus if he came up here, man, this place would be alive with God's presence, his love, his joy. I think we do pretty well, but room to grow, right? Because I forget. This is not an evaluation how other Christians treat you. It's an evaluation, a wake-up, how do I treat others? My brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus' brothers and sisters. Look, this is all, this is not what gets you saved. This is evidence that you are saved when you love or bless a brother or sister in Christ. That's evidence that you get it, recognize Christ in others. That's the next film. This is evidence that you are really saved. Listen to 1 John. John lays this out to the church in Ephesus. He says, anyone who claims to be in the light of God but hates a brother or sister, guess what? Still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light. That's what it looks like to live in the light. And there's nothing in them to make them stumble. Sometimes I hear Christians say, I love Jesus. Not so much as church. Jesus doesn't let us go that way. Yes, the church is flawed. Yes, the church is not Jesus. Yes, we're growing. But you and I, brothers and sisters, are the bride of Christ. Other Christians, the church, with all of its flaws and foibles, is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters of Christ. Can't separate Jesus the head from his body. Can't separate Jesus from his people. Here's the big takeaway. Man, do you love God's people? Do I, Wayne, am I loving my brothers and sisters, Jesus? Jesus, are you, are you calling me? How you call me to love my brothers and sisters better? Do you love God's people, Wayne? Do you love God's people? Today, this morning... I know this is a little mean, but did you welcome someone, a stranger, someone not in your usual comfort group? And, you know, if, if you're concerned about meeting people because of COVID, that's all right, understand. But my default is often go to the people I know and, and prefer. Let's not fall into that. Let's not fall into that in small groups during the week. Let's not fall into that here Let's see and welcome the stranger because we're seeing and welcoming Jesus. Who is Jesus putting on your mind to reach out to, to text, to help? Let's do that. Let's follow through because that's Jesus calling us to help, to visit. Let's not put those things off. I'm guilty of that sometimes. Priority number one, Jesus said, hey, Wayne, Danny, Tina, Sarah, hey, come here, I need you over here. Boom, you guys would be, whew. I want to be that way when Jesus puts someone on my heart, my mind to pray for, to bless, to reach out to. 
Let's be that kind of body of Christ. Now, that's what Jesus said to those on his right. Lots to apply there this week. Now, let's see what he says to those on his left. All right. Verse 41, he shifts now. Then he will say, the king, Jesus, the son of God, in his glory, the son of man, he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, who are condemned. Depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Depart from me. away. I think that's the worst part of it. Depart from me. You've been separate from me. You've rejected me. You've rejected my salvation. And I'm giving you what you want. You're out of my presence forever. Next fill-in. Hell is real. Hell is real. Hell is real. Jesus spoke a lot about it. I don't like it. My culture doesn't like it. We're supposed to downplay it, right? It's real. It's coming. Am I going to believe or trust what my culture says or what I want it to be? or my? No, I need to trust what Jesus has said. He's been faithful. It's true. It's real. Hell is is real. Those who are with God, separated from him now, they're going to experience that forever. Whether I believe it or not, whether I like it or not, it's real. Hell is the destiny for many. Two groups, man. I don't know the numbers. It's scary thinking about the numbers. This will be the fate for many. Why? Why would Jesus do this? Loving God, why would he do this? Because this group continues to reject him. Him, God, his authority, his power, his word, his influence, his rule and reign. I will not submit to you, God, your rightful rule and reign. I will not submit to you, Lord. I will do things my way. Unmistakable, undebatable, Jesus is crystal clear on this, as hard as it is to hear. They've rejected him. They've rejected the salvation that he went out of his way. That's an understatement. To provide for all. And this rejection of God, this rejection of Jesus, is played out, it's displayed in how this group treated Jesus' brothers and sisters. Look at what he says. Verse 42, Jesus continues speaking to this group on the left. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? Jesus will reply, tell, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. 
Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Judgment day, the separation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when people reject you, mistreat you, neglect you, avoid you, disassociate from you because you are associated with Jesus, don't be surprised. Expect it. People reject people for all sorts of reasons. All right? But if it's because you're associated with Jesus, they're rejecting Jesus. The separation that we're talking about that would become clear and permanent already exists now. It already exists now. The message, what do we take away? Wow. Sobering. Let's love each other well. High priority for Jesus. Really high priority for Jesus. Let's love each other well. We all have room for, to grow in that. And I just want to take this minute as well, give you, you know, give you a moment, capture what Jesus is saying to you, hold on to what he's revealed to you today or highlighted or brought to remembrance to you. I also want to, this is something that's been on the heart, my heart, love your hearts uh, this week, is just, you know, thinking about our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Now, we have brothers and sisters all over the world who are in areas where they are persecuted. Um, and, and Afghanistan is just being highlighted right now. And things were already bad there for Christians. Already really hard to be a Christian in Afghanistan. There's not many there. Uh, even before the Taliban have been moving into Kabul, it's, it's been bad. They were number two ranked by Open Doors as the number two persecuted place in the world. Number one is Korea, North Korea, not South Korea, North Korea. Um, We've seen the images, right? Uh, this chaotic withdrawal, um, it's awful, it's horrible. I feel horrible for Afghanistan. I feel horrible for uh, those who have helped the US and it just it feels like an awful betrayal. And it, it's, but again, we're, we're gonna focus on our brothers and sisters at this time because uh, that's where the message is driving us. Estimates range, there are about, I've heard from 2,000 to 17,000 Christians in Afghanistan. All right, that's about 0.02% of uh, Christians. I'm sorry. Let me do the math again. Okay, someone will do the math for me. So let's say there's, let's say average is uh, 7,000. Let's just say there's 7,000. Uh, there are 30, boy, I forgot to write it out, 32 million or 38 million people in Afghanistan. So tiny percentage, tiny percentage. Christian converts from Islam in these Islamic countries are often persecuted, imprisoned, or killed. Uh, I was going to see if Zanaz was here. She's from Iran. She's experienced this. She knows what this is like. Uh, pray with us, but she wasn't here today. But we're going we're gonna to forge ahead here. Um, I'm still looking for ways where we can provide some practical assistance. I've heard about some organizations, but I need to dig a little deeper in those. But one of the things that we, we can do, sometimes the only thing we can do for uh, Christians in these persecuted countries is to pray. It's hard to get assistance to them, all right, because it exposes them. So why don't we stand together? We're going to stand anyway for this last song, but let's stand together 
and take a minute to pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, in whom Christ, the King, dwells. I just encourage you, I'm going to name the topic, and I want to encourage you to pray out loud together on this. First of all, let's pray for God's protection. Join me. Lord God, we lift up our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Lord God, we ask for your protection, your divine protection on them, Lord God. We ask, Lord, that you would bless them. Be their shield. Help them see that tangibly, uh, powerfully, miraculously, Lord God. We ask you to protect our brothers and sisters in Christ right now, Lord God. Praise you, God. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Number two, pray, let's pray for a strong measure of God's presence with them. Lord God, we lift them up. We ask that you would shine brightly in their hearts, Lord Jesus, right now as we pray, Lord God. We ask that you would give them clear signs of your love and care and presence with them, Lord Jesus. Be vivid in their minds. Be uh, alive in their spirits right now as we pray, Lord Jesus. Help them know that you are with them through this, Lord God. Bless them. Touch them, Holy Spirit. Let's pray for fellowship. It's hard for, you know, it's very isolating to be a Christian in these countries. Um, let's pray for fellowship. Lord Jesus, we ask that, you know, you send us out in twos. We ask, Lord, that every believer in Afghanistan would have at least one person to fellowship with, Lord God. Help them find that fellowship, Lord Jesus. Protect that fellowship, Lord. Enable them to meet together and pray and share your word. And call on you together, Lord Jesus. Bless them today with that fellowship, Lord. And then the last one, Jesus' his love is intense, right? He says, even pray for your enemies. So, Lord Jesus, right now, we lift up the Taliban. We lift up those leaders there, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would call some of them powerfully, Lord God. Powerfully, uh, by your presence, by your power, Lord. Call them to yourself, Lord. Surprise them. Shock them with your amazing grace and your love. Bring them to their knees. Let them become uh, those who um, acknowledge you as Lord before they face you, Lord Jesus. Bring them to salvation, Lord. Lord, do a mighty work. Nothing's impossible with you. It seems impossible to us. We ask that you would break in powerfully in Afghanistan. We love you. We ask that you give us opportunities, clear opportunities to love our brothers and sisters this week and help us not be neglectful in those, but help us seize those moments and do them right away, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your word today. Amen.